Thanks for listening to the Bridgeway Community Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Bridgeway, visit our website at bridgeway.cc. To watch this and all of our sermons, visit our YouTube channel and be sure to subscribe while you're there. For sermon notes, click the link in the description. Today, our founding and senior pastor, Dr. David Anderson, continues his annual Old Testament character series called I Saw Esau. In today's message, Dr. Anderson teaches us how to succeed when we've missed our opportunity. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's sermon. In today's message, taking hold of your blessing, we're going to go back to the story of Jacob and Esau. I'm going to talk to you about what happens when you feel like you have missed your shot at success. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bow for a word of prayer, and then I'm going to go to Genesis 27, and I invite you to go with me there. So get your Bible and let's go. But first, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are in charge, you're sovereign, and even when we feel like we've missed our shot, we're praying, God, that you would still bless us in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Now, if you have a copy of the scriptures, go with me. You'll remember last week we talked about Esau, the brother of Jacob. They were twins, and Esau was the firstborn, and his brother Jacob, the second uh, part of the twin, grasping his heels as he is sort of coming out of the womb, and he lost his birthright because Esau sold his birthright to Jacob, his brother, who swindled him, making a really bad deal for for Esau over a bowl of soup. In other words, he allowed his appetite really to rob him of his birthright. But today, we're going to pick it up at verse 1, Genesis Genesis 27, verse 1. Listen to it as I read it from the New International Version, 1984. I'm just going to read the first four verses to get us started. When Jacob was old, And his eyes were so, when Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Verse 3 Now then, get your weapons, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Verse 4, prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Father Isaac is basically requesting his last supper. So he tells Esau, go out uh, into the open country, get a good kill, and bring me a great meal. When you do that, I want to perform what is a traditional uh, Jewish ceremonial blessing of the father to the firstborn. Now, remember that Jacob, the younger of the twins, had already swindled the birthright from his older brother Esau. And remember, the birthright are the rights and the benefits and the authority and position that comes with being the firstborn in the family. And unfortunately, Esau changed that in his, in his making this bad deal over his appetite. But what's a blessing? Because the birthright and the blessing are two different things. The blessing is the formal transfer of anointing and affirmation from the father to the firstborn. 
It's a ceremonial and parental approval of the father over the son for the rest of his life. So the birthright had to do with position, but the blessing had to do with prosperity. The birthright had to do with authority, but the blessing had to do with anointing. The blessing was that positive confirmation over the son given by the father. So, okay, now that we know what the blessing is, let's see what happens in the story when we pick it up in verse 5. Now, Rebecca, this is Isaac's wife and the mother of the twins, was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Verse 8, now my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Verse 10, then take it to your father to eat so that you, so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Wow. Here we have a wife working against the will of her husband. I'm just so thankful that there are no kind of wives like that at Bridgeway Community Church. We also see a mother who's manipulating her children. Once again, thank God, no manipulating moms at Bridgeway Community Church. No M&Ms around here. Manipulating mothers. That would never happen in our church. Can I get an amen? I don't think that's any of you, right? You're sitting in your living room right now with your wonderful wife and your awesome mother. None of that with her, right? It would make for a really bad Mother's Day sermon to talk about manipulating moms. But here's the thing. We find out that it's not just about the mom, Rebecca, but it's not like Jacob responded, oh, mother dearest, I could never steal from my younger brother Esau. That would be terrible. I could never lie to my father and be a trickster like that. Besides, I already swindled him out of his birthright. I'd feel so ashamed to hurt him again. No, mother, I just couldn't do it. That's not right. Because we don't have any family members who are even in church with us now that would do anything to their siblings or even lie to their parents. No, not here at Bridgeway Community Church. But what do we learn? We pick it up at verse 11. Jacob said to Rebecca, his mother, not that. Listen to what he said. But my brother is a hairy man, and I'm a man with smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring a curse on myself rather than a blessing. I would appear to be tricking him. It's not appearance. You are. In verses 13 and following, Rebecca basically says this. You can read it on your own. She basically says to her her son, uh, Jacob, boy, be quiet. Just go do what I told you to do, and I'm going to handle everything. So Jacob goes out and he gets the two goats and the mother dresses him up like Esau and covers him with goat hair so his skin wouldn't feel so smooth and then sent him in with the meal to his father. 
Can I pause just for a minute to give you a spiritual lesson before we move on? Here's a spiritual lesson or warning. Beware of what's up in your home while you're away. Esau's away. The father sent him to do work. But all kind of drama's happening at home. Just because you're in the open country working doesn't mean that there's not a bunch of mess going on back at the house. And our work outside the house doesn't always match what's going on inside the house. You and I both know that you can be out working, but things can be working against you right in the home. It's like I'm coming right into your home today, right? It's like you wish you were watching this alone with your phone in your car or in your bedroom, and maybe some of you are, but you're watching it with your family. You say, Doc, where are you going? And, And understand that you can be doing what you're supposed to be doing outside the house while there's still family members back at the house acting like a fool. So here you have a wife deceiving her husband. You have a son deceiving his father. You have a brother stealing from his brother. This ain't no Steve Harvey kind of family feud. This is cutthroat deception and conspiracy at the core. And some of you have experienced this in your families, true family feud, especially around money and wills and property. Can I just encourage you to get some of these matters settled very practically, legally, before you die, before there are disputes, because... I mean, I think I'm old enough and we've seen enough families go through the loss of loved ones that if things aren't settled ahead of time, well, let's just say money make people funny, honey. And all kind of craziness comes out when someone passes away. Well, that's just sort of one spiritual lesson or warning. Let me give you just maybe one more, and that's this. Beware that the enemy is trying to steal your blessing from under your nose. Beware of the enemy who is trying to steal your blessing from under your nose. It says in John 10.10, Jesus himself actually said it. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Ephesians 6.11 says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. In other words, the devil has schemes, and he's always scheming. The Apostle Paul jumps in with this in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 13 through 15. This is what he says. For such men are false prophets, when he's talking about deceivers and false teachers. They're false prophets, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. Wow. Angels of light, servants of righteousness. Yet, it's all a masquerade. You know, my goal today is not to make you fearful of deceitful family members or friends or even the devil. I simply want you not to be naive of the Jacobs and the Rebecca's who will take what is yours if you're not aware. Now, I don't want any Jacobs or Rebecca's today to uh, have that held against them. There's some, you know, it's a great name, Jacob and Rebecca, and there may be some good things there. So don't take it personally if that happens uh, to be your name. But this is simply a sober warning 
that doing your father's will doesn't mean that you can be impervious to the spiritual warfare to take away every blessing that God wants to give you. So take heed of those spiritual lessons. Beware of what's up at home and beware that the enemy's trying to, trying to take it from you. Or like I said last week, love always trusts, but wisdom always verifies. Now let's get back to the story because Mother Rebecca sends in Jacob to her husband and we witness three bold lies. If, again, if you're in uh, Genesis 27, look at verse 19 and we're going to actually see the very first lie. It says, Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you have told me. So I've done as you have told me. So basically give me the blessing. So his first lie I am Esau, your firstborn. In other words, Jacob's lie was revealing that he was what some would call a poser. A poser. Posers are people who lie about who they are. These are people who try to be someone else. They try to be everything and anything they're not instead of being who they are. These are people who may try to be, listen, you. Instead of being the best version of themselves, they're trying to be a better version of you. <laughs> I'll never forget uh, one person in my life who had this sort of mentality. It was, it was really a weird scenario. I was alone with them. We were traveling together, and this person wanted to confront me. Now, I'm all for confrontation. If there's some truth we need to have between one another, let's have it. And, but guess what he wanted to confront me on? He wanted to confront me on my clothing and, and all the colors. Because, you know, I like clothes, I like colors and all this other stuff, right? And so, you know, beads and all this stuff. You know, my wife makes beads. So, you know, when I go traveling in another country, I bring home beads. She strings them up for me. I love unique things that no, nobody else can really have easily. And, and so I like to make stuff, right? So anyway, here's this time. Hey, brother, I'd like to talk to you about your dress. You know, I see that you're, you're wearing more colors and and you have beads and jewelry and rings and, and sometimes shoes that, you know, are, are bright and, and things of that sort. I just wanted to talk to you about that. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Uh, is something wrong with it? Well, I'm just wondering, is anything going on with you? I said, yeah, I like color. <laughs> and I like clothes. And, and you can go all the way back to Moody Bible Institute. They actually have it in magazines. And Dr. Anderson is wearing red socks with a black robe when he's speaking at Founders Week. It's just something that I've always been. I like it. It's my style. It's my flow. I got swag and I like it. He goes, hmm. And I said, guess what? Now that I make a little bit more money, which I hadn't made for a long time, it's more than just red socks. I can have my clothes made. My wife can string up beads for me. And now I can get clothes that actually fit me instead of on the rack. You got to mix stuff like you get a jacket that's one size, but then you got to switch it up with pants from another size. And then you got to go up to the counter. And, and then they're like, oh, yeah, these don't match. And I'm like, yeah, I got a big butt. So I might have to pay a little bit more. Like, you know, that's just the reality, right? Guess what? I can actually wear clothes that fit now. He goes, hmm, okay. Well, the interesting thing about the conversation, within about a month to six weeks, I literally observed this individual starting to wear more colors than ever before. Things that were even brighter than me. Start wearing beads and shoes and post them on the air. It was just a weird, it was like the weirdest thing. Didn't we just have a conversation about me wearing too much craziness and now you wearing, what is going on here? This is what we would call a poser. Can I give you a tip? This is for free. You can tweet it. 
People who are the loudest about their disapproval are usually the ones doing the very thing they're so obnoxiously loud about. So we see this lie of a poser. But now we see a second lie, and I'd call this a spiritualizer. This is what it says in verse 20. Isaac said to his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? Listen to, listen to the answer. This is what Jacob is saying to his dad, acting like he's Esau. Here it is. The Lord, your God, gave me success. Wow. He's not only a poser. He's what I like to call a spiritualizer. I mean, he didn't just lie on Esau. He actually said, and the Lord your God, <laughs> the Lord your God gave me success. That was not only a flat out lie, he spiritualized it and brought God into it. I mean, the truth is, mom and I have been scheming to steal the blessing from Esau by lying to you now. No, he didn't say that. You see, people will often, I should say church people, will often use spiritual language to cover up their offenses instead of owning what is true about them. Spiritualizers can't seem to speak straight. And so everything is God this and God that. Now, listen, I'm not against anybody who says, hey, listen, I think I heard from the Lord. Or I believe that God is impressing upon me. No, I got that. I feel that. I use that. I'm talking about using language like this when you're lying on God to justify the behavior that you want to do. This happens in church world all the time. I mean, ladies, you got to watch out for men's pickup lines in church. Now, luckily, with the pandemic and stuff, maybe you're not bumping into one another, but the bottom line is even online. I mean, guys, we, we got some lines. And, and, and again, I'm not going to give up all the man, man tricks here, but, you know, a guy can be in church and be like, the Lord told me to come over and tell you that you are so beautiful in the presence of the Lord. And she's like, oh, really, God? Says, yes, I've received that, you know. Or a guy may come and be like, I, I, I believe he wants me to take a picture of us so I can, I, yes, let's take a picture. You know what? I'd like to send it to you. Can I get your number? And I'll send it to you. Why do y'all fall for that? Or the Lord, the Lord told me to take you out on a date. And one woman in church said, oh, really? Where did the Lord tell you to take me? To which he responded, Applebee's. And she said, I know that ain't the Lord. <laughs> she said, the devil is a liar because if God told you to take me out, he'd be telling you to take me to Ruth's Chris. Boy, you need to get to stepping. <laughs> Seriously, though, people will overuse spiritual language to lie or to get what they want. Hey, baby, like Jericho, how many times do I need to walk around you before you fall in love with me? But <laughs> listen, it ain't, it ain't all about the brothers using lines. Ladies, listen, y'all ain't as holy either. And I can't go too far here. I might get in trouble, but come on. I always hate those messages that just beat on guys, beat on guys, beat on guys, especially the ones that are trying their best, right? But ladies, I'm not going to beat on you either, but can I just say this? You're not always as holy as you might look in church. <laughs> you know, they're real holy in church, and they, then they go out with you, and all of a sudden they just become real clumsy and, and clingy. You know, they, they start dropping stuff in, in front of you and bending over with their little short skirts. Oops, I dropped something. Why y'all become clumsy all of a sudden? 
or clinging, and they get all touchy. And you know what? Now they want to touch your arm when they laugh, <laughs> touch your shoulder when they talk. <laughs> they start playing with their hair and touching your thigh when they're telling the story. Listen, whether men or whether women, whether children, brothers, sisters, or parents, don't be a poser. And in church, don't be a spiritualizer where you use spiritual language to cover and justify what you want. But most of all, don't be this third lie, a kisser. We find it in verse 24. And it actually tells us in verse 24. We'll pick it up at 23. He, Jacob, did not recognize him, for his hands were, were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he blessed him. Are you really my son Esau, he asked. The third lie, you ready? I am. He replied. Verse 25, then he said, my son, bring me some of that game. Bring me uh, some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate it and he brought some wine and he drank it. Verse 26, then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. Here it is, verse 27. So he went to him and kissed him. Who else do you know in scripture who betrayed a loved one with a kiss? Judas. So Peter lied and denied three times that he knew Jesus, and Judas betrayed him with a kiss. And here we see it all in Jacob. He lies three times, and then he betrays his brother and his father with a kiss. As a result, Esau misses his shot. You know what a kisser is? A, a kisser are those people who are cold enough to look you in the face while turning the knife in your gut. No longer posers, no longer spiritualizers. Now it's coming out who they really are. And they can look you right in your face. Kiss you while turning the knife. And as a result, who was the innocent party here? It was Esau. He misses his shot at getting his father's full blessing because the father gave it to Jacob. And in verses 28 and 29, the father says over, over his son Jacob, may God give you of heaven's dew and earth's Richness and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed. May those and those who bless you be blessed. Esau runs in. He's like, do you have one for me too? That, that I'm, I'm, I'm the one. Get, bless me. I already, I already blessed you. No, it wasn't me. It was my brother Jacob. Please tell me that you have something left for me. Did I miss, did I miss my shot? I mean, you're the one that sent me out to, to, to do the work in the, in the country. And then I came back and did exactly what you wanted me to do. And, and my brother Jacob deceived you into believing you were me. And all I really want right now is for you to bless me. Please tell me you still have a blessing for me. I'm sorry, son. 
I gave the full blessing to your brother. But here's yours. And look at this second-rate blessing that Esau gets. Your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness. It's the opposite. Away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw away his yoke from off your neck. Basically, the father is saying, you will live in the desert and fight for everything you get. Oh, and you will serve your brother, the very one who swindled you and stole from you. Wow. How unfair is that? I mean, it's easy to sort of spiritualize even this and say, yeah, but you know, the blessing of Abraham comes through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then Joseph, and we go all the way, we get to, get to Jesus, and let's just skip over all of the unrighteousness and all of the mess and the lying and the cheating and the stealing and the killing. Let's just, let's just gloss over all of that and say, yes, we're the people of God. And we just become blind to the other parts of the story But my message is not for the Jacobs in the room. My message is for the Esau's. What do you do when life is unfair? What do you do when you've missed your shot? What do you do when life is not a beach, but a desert? What do you do when your plan A collapses and crumbles before your very eyes? Well, as I begin to land this plane, I want to give you a few practical applications of what you do when you're living in the desert like Esau. And this is not, again, for those Jacobs who have received ill-gotten gain. You have your reward already. These applications are for those who had hopes for blessings and privileges that they really hoped for. But these applications are for those that feel marginalized, the lost, the lonely, the left out. Number one, make the most of the position you are in now and leave the future to God. Make the most of the position you are in now and leave the future to God. Esau hoped for his father's blessing, but he didn't get it. He even worked for his father's blessing. He didn't achieve it. He did everything right and still lost it. Sometimes you can do everything right, but God's will is different than what you expected. But we've got to believe that God is still sovereign and God is still in charge. We must trust that he will make all things right in time. This is why even in the hall of faith, as we call it in Hebrews chapter 11, guess who's in there? We know Jacob's in there. Did you know Esau was in there too? Verse 20, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob. Here it is and Esau in regard to their future. Of course, we talk about Jacob's blessing. Esau was blessed too. It was a lesser blessing, and it wasn't the one he expected, but it's the one he got. Sometimes you have to deal with the hand you got and play the best you can with it. But Esau was blessed too. But he focused on what he had lost instead of what he had left. So what I'm saying to you today is focus on what you have, not on what you don't have. Take hold of the blessing you do have or you'll lose that too. 
Whatever blessing you have, take hold of it and don't lose it. Just because you lost one spouse doesn't mean you need to lose the one you have now. Just because you lost one job doesn't mean you need to lose the one you have now. Just because you lost one business doesn't mean you can't start another one and do better than you did before. Don't focus on what you've lost. Focus on what you have left. But here's a second practical application. Make bitterness your enemy, not others. You see, Esau let his bitterness get the best of him, and we'll talk more about that next week in a message called Let Go of Your Bitterness. Instead of making bitterness your enemy, he made his brother his enemy, and we make people our enemy. But remember, it says in Ephesians 6, 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, even though it really looks like it, Jacob and Rebekah. Don't allow your bitterness to eat you up from the inside out. And let me just tell you, if you are a bitter person, do not come to church next week because I am going to attack the bitter root of bitterness in you and try to break it in the name of Jesus. So if you come in, if you log on, eyes wide open, it's going to get broken. What have we said? We said, beware of what's up at home while you're away. Beware that the enemy is trying to steal the blessings right from under your nose. We've learned that these three bold-faced lies as a poser, a spiritualizer, and a kisser are the lies of Jacob. He was still blessed to receive the blessing, but we also learned the practical applications. If you might be the Esau in the room, and I've given you two of three. I'm about to give you the final one, but here are the two. Make the most of the position you're in now and leave the future to God. Make bitterness, make bitterness your enemy and not others. And now here's the third and final practical application. Make your plan B your plan A. Make plan B your plan A. How do you live successfully when you've missed your shot, your standing, your opportunity for success that you had hoped for? Your plan A, be married by 30. Now you're 60 and single. Your plan A, have children by 40. Now you're 46 and no children. Your plan A, get into a great college and graduate by the time I'm 22 or 23. Now you're stuck in a job. You haven't finished your degree, and the job that you're in has nothing to do with the major that you went to school for part-time. Your plan A was to have children and grandchildren one day bury you and you not bury them. Cannot help but to think about the Blondells who buried their son, St. John, just this week, 43 years old. And uh, one of the things that Alan said is like, you just, this was out of order. This was out of order. I shouldn't be burying my son. And Helena and Alan, we just want you to know we love you and we're praying for you. And many of you who have grieved the loss of your children, you know, you don't want to be doing their funeral. You know, honestly, I, I want my kids to be... Like doing mine, I mean, it's going to be a sad day for them, but I don't want to have to do it. And the reality is that that wasn't your plan A. The Michners had to do that with, with their son. And, and so many of you ladies have had to do that with your children, your unborn children. And in the case of one of my family members, her born child. 
The reality is, that was no one's plan A. You had plans for this and, and for that and, and for the other. Can, can I tell you something? This is, uh, my, my plan was to play college football and maybe pro football. That was my plan. In fact, many of you don't even know that I actually played for a season for the Eagles. And uh, I mean, not the ones from Philadelphia, the ones from Beltsville, uh, High Point Senior High School Eagles. And uh, I really thought that I had, I had promise and I, I thought I was going to go to college and play ball and then maybe, maybe, maybe even in the professional league. But that evil school, Archbishop Carroll, who played us that day, somebody did an illegal clip on my knee, broke my knee, and that changed everything. And I thought, for the rest of my life, I'm living out plan B because plan A was to play football. That injury put me in the plan B world. But how many of you know that your plan A may actually have been just your plan A? <laughs> your plan B may uh, have always in your mind been, this is what my plan A is. And God is like, yeah, but you don't make the plans. I do. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God knew I'd never play college ball or pro football. And every time, you know, I'm walking, I'm a big dude, right? So, you know, somebody might say, did you, did you play ball? I'm like, yep, I played for the Eagles for a little bit. And then I say, yeah, but it was my high school. Well, most of the time, you know, no, I'm just kidding. I really do. I'm like, I play for the Eagles. And I used to drive, drive a vet. Really? I was like, yeah, my sister's Chevette. Y'all don't know nothing about that if you're young, but there's a little Chevette. But, you know, so, you know, you, I, was, I was a poser. But then it was really more like a joker because I'd laugh and they'd laugh, and that would be a great opportunity to connect. But the, re the reality is some of us actually truly have a plan A, and we realize that my plan A was not God's plan A. You know what God's plan A for me was? Ministry. I just wasn't saved yet, so I didn't know. But once I got saved, it all made sense to me. God always had this as a plan for my life. So guess what? You didn't see divorce in your plans. <laughs> you didn't see an addicted family member in your plans. You didn't see abuse in your house in the plans. And I'm not saying that God wanted that to happen but he knew that it would. You didn't see it in your plans, but God knew it would happen. Do you know you can still be blessed as a person who's been divorced? Did you know you could still be blessed as a person who's gone through bankruptcy? Do you know you could still be blessed as a person who's gone through prison? Sometimes we think only the special ones get the blessing of Jacob. But I have to reiterate to you, Jacob didn't deserve it. He wasn't special. He was called. He wasn't special and righteous. He received grace. And the Jacobs who are high and mighty in the world and judgmental, the reality is you didn't deserve the blessing. That's why it's grace. That's why it's mercy. If Jacob would have gotten what he deserved, he wouldn't be in the hall of faith. 
But God knows that even though we don't deserve it, once he comes into our life and does an adjustment in our life, he can change what we were to what we can be. And we'll learn in this series of what Jacob could become once he wrestled with God. And the best thing you can do is be a man or a woman of grace, realizing that you're not a Jacob because who's blessed because you actually deserve it. You're a Jacob because of grace and mercy, because you did everything not to deserve it. But God has a way of blessing crooked Jacobs and even swindled Esau's. So take hold of your blessing and live the best life you can with what you've been dealt. And here's the good news. When you come into a relationship with Christ, you get all these new blessings in Christ that are better than any other blessing of any other father. Some of you are blessed to have a father who blessed you. Others of you never had a father that would lay hands and bless you. But even though Jacob's earthly father couldn't see Esau, the good news is your heavenly father can see you. And he's the God of the Jacobs and the Esau's. And he can lay blessing on your life when you come to the heavenly father and say, I'm a sinner. I am, I got so much Jacob and Esau in me. I got so much appetite. I got so much deception. I've got so much trickery. Uh, you're a mother like Rebecca. I've got so much uh, manipulation inside of me. The best thing you do is go to God and say, God, I don't deserve any blessing. I deserve to be separated from you forever in hell. But God, if you'd be so kind, forgive me for my sins. Cleanse me from my unrighteousness. I don't come to you for blessing. I come to you for mercy. And he says, when you come with that kind of heart, he will have mercy on you, bring salvation to you through his son, Jesus Christ. And then guess what? You can take hold of the blessings of Jesus Christ being a new firstborn son or daughter of the Most High God, being a prince of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You can now be a child of the Most High King and every blessing of inheritance that comes to Christ comes to you. So friends, take hold of your blessing in Christ. And you can do that right now. Bow with me in a word of prayer. And if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. If you've already done that, I'm going to ask you to pray with me now that others would do it. And at the end, I'll thank God for the blessings we have in Christ because we've already done it. If you want to receive the blessings of Christ that come with the mercy of God, then stop manipulating. Stop deceiving. Stop depending on your own ways. And say this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, save me. Save me from myself. Save me from my sin. And come into my life. I need a Savior. You died on the cross. You rose again from the dead and took all of my sins with you. And now I place my faith in you. I fall before you now. And say, I want to be saved. Lord, for those that are the Jacobs in the room, forgive us for our sins and our trickery. 
For those who are the Rebecca's in the room, forgive us for our manipulation. God, wherever we are and whoever we are, whether we're brothers or sisters, fathers or mothers, parents or children, we take hold of the blessing that comes from knowing the Heavenly Father, who not only saw Esau, but saw Jacob and Rebekah as well. And thank you for seeing us today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks for listening to the Bridgeway Community Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Bridgeway, visit our website at bridgeway.cc. To watch this and all of our sermons, visit our YouTube page and make sure you subscribe while you're there. To download sermon notes, just click the link in the description. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.